everybody. I'm Ryan from Fireside Yankees, joined by my friend and co-host Aiden here. And the Yankees have actual, like, there's this is actual hot stove news. These are actual reports. This isn't just, you know, John Heyman tweeting about Scott Boris Klein or Barstow only tweeting about Josh Hader's uh, numbers over the last few years, which... Hey, it tells you that agents have made maybe probably some very significant and generous donations to certain reporters. Um, but with that being said, um, Andy Martino uh, wrote in, a, in, a, in his most recent column that uh, Blake Snell's privately expressed interest in playing for the Yankees, that at the moment, Snell seems like a more likely fit in New York than Joe Montgomery, who they've also talked to. And they're looking to add to the rotation aggressively, not stupidly, that's verbatim what Martino put. Um, and that uh, they're planning on an active January with the industry expectation being that they'll make one impactful addition to their pitching staff before spring training. Now, a lot of that was literally just verbatim from what he said. So, um, you know, this is no, this isn't any, you know, me exaggerating the truth. Um, but with that being said, Blake Snell's an interesting pitcher. Obviously, he is a two-time signing award winner, but it's weird because he's a two-time signing award winner, but you wouldn't rank him in like the top five for pitchers in baseball. He isn't a Hall of Famer. He isn't like one of the most dominant pitchers of, you know, the late 2010s or early 2020s, but he has unbelievable highs. He has some inconsistency issues, but the stuff is undeniable. You see him throw a couple of his off-speed pitches and you'll immediately understand the uh, appeal and the reason why batters swing and miss so much. There are issues with his walks, but there are questions about whether that's command or whether that's an intentional strategy to just not give in to hitters. There is just a lot of, we don't really know when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to a, a guy like uh, Blake Snell. But with that being said, Aiden, this is a guy who potentially could get a shorter term deal. Uh, this is a guy who would obviously slot in as your number two starter. What do you think about the support? What is your interest level on Blake Snell? Give me all the details, my man. Uh, Ryan, I mean... I think we said the same thing last night when these reports started coming out. We're on board with this if it's a short-term deal because, like, if we're handing out a six, seven, eight-year deal to not eight, probably not eight, but the six, seven-year deal to Blake Snell, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for the Yankees. You're signing a guy through his age thirty-eight season, which, like, we have enough risky contracts on the books already, so. If you get this guy on a three to four year deal, maybe with some opt outs, that's a lot better. And it's, I believe it was reported that Snell is definitely interested in that too, in a shorter term deal that's maybe more front loaded for a team that's in win now mode. And that's exactly what the Yankees are trying to do right now. They're trying, I mean, they're, they are every year. They're trying to win uh, the World Series every single year. My, my interest level in Snell is very dependent on how long that contract is and where the AAV is. I believe Fangraphs projected him to get like a five-year, $25 million deal. Um, obviously, if they were to do a shorter-term deal, you would have to think that that AAV would go up to somewhere around probably 28 to $30 million, maybe 27 at the lowest, in my personal opinion, but... Here's the thing. It looks like that if the Yankees were to do that, this is going to put them over the luxury tax. Ryan, we were talking about this earlier uh, before we were recording. Is Blake Snell someone that the Yankees are willing to go over the luxury tax for? I mean, they were willing to for Yoshinobu Yamamoto, so why not for the reigning Cy Young winner? Yes, Blake Snell probably isn't you know a top five pitcher, maybe not top 10, but He's an all-star. His floor is pretty much an all-star, I think, or like near an all-star. Um, you know, there's just questions about his fit with the Yankees, too, and I have questions about it, too. He walks a lot of guys, 
he does not say no to walks Ryan. I that's that's the one thing we don't like about him. Um, and his ground ball rate isn't really there for me either, and that's something I like to see in a lot of Yankees pitchers. Um, just because you know, even though it's not really a hitter's park, it's still something that lingers in my mind. I just want our pitchers to get balls on the ground because that's what makes outs. But you know, it's just it's just really interesting, Ryan. I, I'm just really interested to see like what's what uh, who knows what this contract's going to end up going to be and like it's how Steinbrenner willing to put out that amount of money for Blake Snell. So I'm I'm really not sure where this is going to go. I'm not sure if they want to go over over that luxury tax. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what the Yankees' game plan is with the luxury tax. I mean, it looks like they're a team that, you know, they would be aggressive or they would look to be aggressive, but, um, you know, as as Martino put it, not stupid, right? And, you know, I don't know what stupid money looks like. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the Yankees' interest level is in going to, let's say, a six-year deal or maybe even a five-year deal um, or, you know, what Blake Snell's interest is in taking just the most money on the table, I wonder if he's just not that interested in some of the suitors that have been list- rumored to him. It's not like it's teams like Boston where like, all right, that's a young team. You know, maybe you just go there and you can you can try to compete for a playoff spot. Um, you know, the Mets are big spenders and they're not involved in, in, in Blake Snell. The Rangers aren't involved in Blake Snell. They seem it's like Monty if his price falls to them or bust. Um, and then you have like the Angels and the Giants who are heavily involved. Now, I think the Giants are a good enough team that you would say, hey, if they added Blake Snell, they could probably compete for a playoff spot. But I don't know how interested they are in giving him the big bucks. And then if you look at the other suitor, it's the Angels, right? Like, why would... I'm not saying why would anybody um, play for the Angels, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Why would anybody play for the Los Angeles Angels? Um, So, you know, with that being said, I, I think that the New York Yankees would be a team that... I think the New York Yankees are going to be a team that is going to try to make some addition. They have to do something. They can't do nothing, right? Um, you know, it's not that they've done nothing this offseason. It's not that they haven't done enough to make their team better, um, but they have a hole in their fifth starter spot. They don't have, like, even if it's patching up the bullpen, right? Like, they have to do something. It has to be something. And I think something significant doesn't mean they're going to get Blake Snell. They're going to get Dylan Cease or they're, they're going to get Jordan Montgomery. Something significant just means something that improves your pitching staff, at least in my eyes. So, um, you know, looking at what Blake Snell brings to the table, he is objectively a good starter, right? Like, I know he's going to take a step back next year. I know he's not going to be as good in 2024 as he was in 2023, and that's fine. If his if his run prevention gets worse by an entire run, a 3.25 ERA would still be the second best mark in the Yankees, and he would still be one of the best starters in baseball. The question I have is whether I'm going to get the Blake Snell we saw in the second half, where, you know, he was relying more on his secondaries, he um, was pitching deep into games, he had six or more start, uh, innings in his start, um, every single start for his last nine, um, and he had, I believe, like a thir- two-thirds of his starts where he, he went at least into the sixth inning, so... How, what type of Blake Snow are we going to get? Because I can't take a guy who's going to be a five and dive pitcher, even if the five innings are elite. I guess the question is how elite can five innings truly be? Um, and that's fine. That's a fair question to ask. But ultimately, Aiden, like there are legitimate concerns here. This is a guy that you're going to have to be like, hey, if you give him six years, how many of those years are going to, is he going to be effective? You already have Carlos Rodon, question mark. You already have, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez, another question mark. Um, and you have, I, I guess, a rotation that's put together kind of patched together almost. Um, you have a rotation of guys that, you know, 
are not reliable. And, and and you have to understand that Blake Snell is another guy who could potentially be that for you, which is another unreliable pitcher. But at the same time, the upside here, right? Like you don't win two Cy Youngs by accident. You win two Cy Youngs because, you know, everybody else just sucked. He put up a 2-2-5 ERA in his last Cy Young, put up a sub-2 ERA in his first Cy Young. When he's, effect- when he's pitching and when he's healthy and when he, um, you know, has everything going for him, he's elite. And the stuff, I mean it's visible, right? Like, obviously, we could look through the stuff plus numbers, which he has the eighth best qualified stuff plus in baseball, but visually, everything just pops. The curveball's great, changeup's great, slider's great. Fastball stuff, like, everything from a pitch shape perspective and velocity-wise is great, but we were talking about this a little bit earlier. The whiffs aren't great on it, so he actually decreased his fastball usage by about 10% from June onward and excelled. Overall, like, I just think this is going to be a really good pitcher next year, but am I willing to, you know, say, all right, I think this guy's going to be good next year. I'm taking the risk that he's not good next year. And then I'm also taking the risk that he could potentially sink you in the future. I think if I'm giving him a contract, I would look to see if I can get him done for three or four years at a really high AAV with some opt-outs. I'd even do, here's an opt-out every year, right? Like I'm not saying I want him to leave, but I am kind of saying I want him to leave. I'm kind of saying I don't want to be on the hook for this money for the long term. And looking at the Yankees payroll situation over the next four years, Rizzo, LeMahieu, um, and Stanton all come off the books. And um, that's important money. That's that's a decent chunk of change. So they do have some young players coming up. Perhaps that helps soften the blow. Aiden, if you're going to give an offer to Blake Snell, and I'm not saying this has to be the offer that gets it done, just giving him an offer that you think is competitive, what is your offer and why would you offer it that? Well, see, Ryan, you brought up the idea of, you know, a, a kind of more supercharged short-term deal with opt-outs. And I almost think like, mm, well, if the Yankees really want this guy, if it's if they really want to keep him short term, but they still really want him, what if they wanted to stay under the luxury tax while doing that? So I, we were talking about this before recording again. Um, what they would probably do is backload the deal and do it with no opt outs if they wanted to stay under the luxury tax, because in the next couple of years, um, they all they have. Canely coming off the books this year, and then the year after that, they have LeMahieu and Rizzo coming off the books. So around 2026 or 2027, they'll have more money to play around with. I, I Actually, I believe Rizzo and LeMahieu are not coming off the books in the same year. Uh, LeMahieu comes off the books the year after. So we're looking at like a deal like around $30 million a year. That puts them, I believe about 4 million over the luxury tax projected wise uh 6 million over actually and that just they might have to move some money around if they wanted to front load the deal but if they backloaded it and they have about i don't know 35 million dollars to play with um once Rizzo and LeMahieu and Canley are all off the books then you backload it to like i i hate to say it but like 32 million dollars for his salary in like 2025 or 2026 um so it's just it's just really interesting but it personally i think the yankees if they really want this guy and they're really in like we want to do it this year we want to have two cy young winners on our rotation we want to have two mvp caliber players in our lineup in our outfield we're going to go over the luxury tax they are about to do it for yamamoto they, it sounds like, I mean, honestly, if they really want to win, you, you go over it for Blake Snell. I don't care. Like, you if you're a little over the luxury tax, it doesn't matter. Um, 
But it's just more about, you know, you don't want to give this guy a year a deal over four years. Uh, I told you, Ryan, once this deal gets over four years or maybe even three years, I'm out. Because I, I think by year five, this guy's going to be, you know, either a fifth starter or like a depth starter or he's going to be a relief pitcher. And it just doesn't make a ton of sense for them. I, I mean, we were looking at his pitch mix earlier too, and... I was I was sitting there and I'm like I wish this guy throws a sinker like a sinker or a cutter because he would just make a like I'd be head over heels for this guy if his ground ball rate was just a bit higher like if it wasn't so like mediocre and below average um but yeah I just like let's just give him a short term deal just a short term deal supercharged AAV with opt-outs because I don't want to be on the hook for his money for a long time. If he has a good couple a good couple of years, great. Then he can go out and, you know, test the market, sign somewhere else, and the Yankees can go spend that money elsewhere. So, Ryan, I think we're on the same page here. Short-term deal, supercharge the AAV if you have to. And then if he doesn't want opt-outs, then you give him like a four-year deal that's backloaded. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see like a short-term high AV contract because again, it's short-term money. It's off the books. It doesn't affect your ability to get other free agents. I understand that people are going to mention complications potentially with Juan Soto, but here's what I'll say. You worry about that when you get there, and I think the Yankees are going to make a very competitive offer for Juan Soto. Now, um, you know, another thing too is it's not long-term money, and we know that the Yankees have historically been pretty like Hal Steinbrenner for all, you know, all of his warts, all of his inconsistencies with spending has never been shy with short-term deals. He took on Josh Donaldson two years, $50 million, even though he was aging and there was a bit of risk there. I think Hal likes the idea of short-term deals. I think the Yankees like the idea of short-term deals. Um, you know, I don't want to make the comparison to the player, obviously, because the player just not a good person, but Trevor Bauer contract, that's probably the one you look at like three years, a hundred million dollars. If you could give him like four years, a hundred and like 20, 130 million dollars, give him a couple opt-outs, I would do that. Um, for Snell, he gets an opportunity to play for a win now team. Makes like if, if you make $33 million in year one, and then you opt out and you hit the market again as a 32-year-old, and you get five years at $150 million or $160 million. Um, let's say it's six years, $160 million. Um, you end up making $190 million over your seven years. You get more guaranteed contract. You get more guaranteed money. And probably, you know, you got, if you hit the market again, also have to think, you know, potentially more suitors willing to spend, you know, if you pitch really well, you might get the Mets in your market. And if the Mets are on your market, you're in a pretty good spot. Like if you, if the Mets are on your market, you're going to make a lot of money. Um, you know, and, and I know that that, I know that that doesn't mean that the Mets are always going to get their guy, but they do inherently serve as a way to drive up the price, right? Like, I'm sure that the, the that the Yamamoto sweepstakes went like this. You know, the Yankees offer $300 million. The Mets go for three twenty-five. dollars the, the, you know, Joel Wolf runs and says, I got three twenty-five from the Mets. Dodgers, match that, you know? At the very least, the Mets are either A, a competitive suitor for a pitcher or a player, um, or A, that, or B, they're a, a nice uh, uh, bargaining chip. And, and that, we, you know, as Yankee fans, we've been used to that too. When we're involved in the player's market, we drive up the price, even if that player doesn't really want to come here. Look at Yamamoto, Yamamoto great example of this, right? He wants the Bronx. He loves the allure. This and that. Every single report came out. And, and I got deep fight. Like, it was so, like, dude, it was, it felt legit for a very long time. The way that Jack Curry was talking about their interest, all that stuff. And the way, and, and, and you know, honestly, you can, I think that that's why the Dodgers were willing to go to that level because they, they knew that other teams were very interested in other teams desperately wanted this guy and were willing to put their money where their mouth is financially. 
rarely do you see a team show interest. Like, oftentimes, like, we'll, we'll hear a team say, you know, they're going to go full throttle and they don't spend the money for it. Um, you know, like, some teams talk and they don't spend, right? When you have a team willing to talk and spend, that helps your market. So maybe that's something that Blake Snell could look at. Um, and ultimately... You know, if, if winning does matter to him as much as reports would suggest, and look, I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible that the Yankees are just being used as leverage here. There is that off chance that like Blake Snell is kind of talking between the Giants and the Angels and he's like, hey, um, I want to go play for the Yankees. Like if you guys don't sign me, I will go play for the Yankees. Um, and it's like, Hey, give me that extra year or give me that extra 10 or an extra $20 million, whatever it may be. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but Aiden right now, it looks like there's at least some legitimate smoke and it looks like there's at least aggression from the Yankees end to go out and make improvements for the pitching. Um, whereas I, I, I feel like there was some concern that the Yankees were going to do nothing. Um, and I never felt concerned the Yankees were going to do nothing, but you know, like you feel uneasy. You're in January. You got a couple more weeks and you got a few more weeks till spring training. You start seeing, you know, Frankie Montas go. That was a guy that I think everybody assumed would be back after Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers. So, you know, this gives you an opportunity to make a statement. This gives you an opportunity to say, hey, we're making an FU signing. And I'm not a fan of FU signings if you don't believe in the player value, but I think in a short-term deal, it's hard to say that you wouldn't want Blake Snell. The only thing you're really concerned, you're really concerned about is the health, but it's not like his injuries are consistent, right? Um, you know, the Yankees are a team that has, has consistently spent towards the top of the market. And, you know, they have an opportunity to run a payroll over $300 million and kind of say, hey, we won 82 games last year. Here's the NL Cy Young winner to join the reigning AL Cy Young winner. I think both of whom won them unanimously. Um, and Juan Soto to boot. That's a pretty good offseason, Aiden. I, I would say that's that's A plus for me. I don't know if, if you disagree. No, right. Absolutely. I think it, you can't spin it any other way. If you're adding the reigning Cy Young winner to your team while you already have a Cy Young winner, you can't spin that any other way. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people, I, I feel like, People started coming out of the woodworks once Snell got linked to the Yankees that were saying, oh, Snell's going to regress next year. He's not going to be good. Uh, part of me thinks people are just saying that because there's some level of interest from the Yankees, some maybe some mutual interest. Um, like you said earlier, I think there is that small chance that maybe Snell is expressing interest to, in the Yankees to drive his market up. But no, you can't you can't spin that any other way. If you're adding a Cy Young winner to your team while well, adding... Juan Soto, a perennial MVP candidate, when you already have Judge and an MVP candidate, that's an incredible offseason. And here's the thing, too. And I, I know a lot of people will disagree with this. I I feel like too many people are counting out Carlos Rodon, too. I'm sorry. I, I know he had a terrible year last year. Um, he has his injury history. But part of the reason he had such a terrible year last year is because of that injury history. If this guy can find a way to stay healthy, he's going to be good. Part of the reason he was so terrible last year was because of that forearm issue. And it, it caused him to have a lot of command and location problems. I can't tell you how many times I was watching a Carlos Rodon start and I see... Kyle Higashioka setting up low and that pitch ends up high and it's in the right field seats. Could you imagine if Carlos Rodon is even, you know, near back to form what he was in 2022? You have Cole a Cy Young winner, Snell a Cy Young winner, you have Rodon a near Cy Young winner. That's a great rotation. That's a rotation you dream of. So, you know, I, I don't want people to count Rodon out because if you add Snell to this rotation, that gives you an A plus offseason. I'm sorry, you have you have the super, 
not a super rotation, but you have one of the best rotations in the league at that point. And that's that's exactly what people were saying if they were about to add Yamamoto. That's what people are saying the Yankees need to get through next year to be that World Series contender. I think, you know, if they were to sign Snell, I still think some moves need to come after that, though. Um, you know, I'm just not too comfortable with their depth. I think they have some depth options um, in their minor league with their pitching prospects. Um you know, Luis Hill adds that depth. Um, I think Chase Hampton is going to be up by, like, at latest, like, mid-August. Um, and then you have Will Warren, who sounds like he's going to get his fair shot at being a starting pitcher on the Yankees next year, if not a, a depth starter or a low-tier reliever. So, yeah, I, I think Blake Snell makes this a fantastic offseason. I would want to see one or two more moves to the pitching staff. But anytime you're adding a Cy Young winner to your rotation, you're doing something right. Yeah, and end of the day, like we're talking about a pitcher who won, again, two-time Cy Young Award winner, um, has an opportunity to be one of, you know, one of the best pitchers. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball, uh, at, you know, in 2018 and then this past season. Um, you know, and, and even when he wasn't, you know, the best pitcher in his respective league, he has always been pretty good. Like he hosts a career 78 ERA minus, which is really good. Like he has a 320 ERA. Um, he has one season with um, below average run prevention, and that was 2021 with his first year with the Padres, uh, which I guess is in recent enough memory where you're like, hey, that outcome could theoretically happen again, and you're a little concerned. Um, but I would say the big difference here is that the usage of his secondaries has improved. He relies less on his fastball. He's kind of identified that his four seam fastball despite how well it should play like on paper it should be a great pitch it just isn't um you know he's been able to finally you know kind of figure that out he's been able to bring the change up back uh that was the pitch he kind of got away from last year um and really in his tenure at san diego his change up percentage dropped dramatically with the tampa bay rays um through his final four years though so uh, i'm just gonna include his entire career there honestly getting 19.7 percent usage of that change up goes to san diego First two years, only 7.6%, increases the fastball usage. And then this past season kind of looks a little more like the pitch diet we saw in 2018. I, I think it's just a matter of usage, right? Like he's figured something out. Clearly, you know, the walks are always going to be an issue, but would I rather him give up a walk or, you know, give up a 400 foot fly ball, 400 foot fly ball to left field off of a fastball? I'd rather him just not give in. Um, if it works for him, that's fine. You're obviously asking the Yankees, you're basically saying, hey, I trust that the Yankees uh, did their scouting here and they know what they're doing. Um, and if you don't, then I, I imagine that you already didn't believe in this team very much. So end of the day, like I, I, I think it's an interesting case of this is a this is a controversial free agent. This is a guy who does things in a way that, you know, typically most successful pitchers don't, but he doesn't give up hard contact. He gets a lot of swings and misses. And honestly, I think that's enough for me to consider this a really good pitcher. Um, maybe, you know, next year he regresses and we'll, we'll see how that looks like. Maybe, um, you know, the changes he made midseason stick and he really is that good of a pitcher. And look, maybe there's that chance that, you know, the Yankees sign him. He has one really good year. He opts out. The Yankees won the World Series that year. And, you know, he's not an obscure Yankee, but you remember him as a guy who had a weird Yankee tenure, but a successful one. All that really matters is that you win a ring with him, right? Like that's the way we, we are, we're going to ultimately judge player acquisitions and whether it's fair or not, whether it's just or not, considering that an individual player cannot on his own carry a team to the World Series. But end of the day, like as long as you win a title with said acquisition, 
and that acquisition played a, ro- a role in it, who cares? Right? Like AJ Burnett, who cares that he was a bad contract? He was a big reason why the Yankees won the World Series. I, nobody cares, right? Like nobody, nobody cares. Um, you know, uh, another example of this would be, you know, if John Carlos Stanton, let's say, if the Yankees win a win with John Carlos Stanton, do you think I care that this past season he put up a negative war? I don't give a shit. Like I don't care. Um, contracts, like you know, we can we can sit here and raise banners for war per dollar. We can sit here and praise the most efficient teams in baseball, but that that talk goes away really quick in the regular season. That talk goes away very quick in October. But you know what hangs forever? Banners. So, uh, you know, all I really care about is the Yankees trying to go out and get better. I don't want them to close their window, of course. I want them to be sustainably good. Um, that's the goal for any franchise. But I think that this is they can do it. They can feasibly do it with Blake Snell uh, if they if they were able to get like something that would not allow them that would allow them to get out of that contract at some point but Aiden I don't know if you have any final thoughts but if you do rip yeah yeah, no final thoughts are if the guy is a guy just go and get him I mean if like you said banners last forever and I think Snell is one of the few starting pitchers left on the free agent market that gets you to that banner I think him and I guess Montgomery, that that's it. That's that's who's on the market that can get you across the finish line. And, you know, I, I, I've been sitting here pretty much all day kind of talking myself more and more into Blake Snell. Like you said, he gets a lot of swing and misses. He gets a lot of strikeouts. Not, not really a lot of hard contact, too. And I like that. Do I wish the ground ball rate were higher? Sure. Do I wish his walk rate wasn't terrible? Sure. But he's also a dude. He doesn't give up a lot of runs. He's a run preventer. Uh, and that's what the Yankees need in their rotation. Because, you know, if, like Frank uh, Roster Resource is saying, if Clayton Beater is the fifth starter for the Yankees next year, which he won't, but if that were the case, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have a lot of problems. I'm not going to be very happy. Ryan's not going to be happy. Alex is not going to be happy. Sam's not going to be very happy. But if you sign Blake Snell... We're all going to be happy, and I believe everyone watching would be pretty happy, even if that contract doesn't look great. If it's not a contract that that ends up, you know, aging well, we're the New York Yankees. We always, we I feel like the Yankees always find their way out of this hole. You sp- you spend your money on the problems, and it a problem they have right now is a hole in their rotation. Go and spend the money on a Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. Those are my closing thoughts. This is the kind of move that gets you across the finish line for the World Series. So that's all I got. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, end of the day, um, you know, if you're going to make the trade for Juan Soto, you have to show some level of aggression. Again, it's not, you know, force yourself to trade Jason Dominguez, Spencer Jones, and a bunch of other guys for Dylan Cease, but it does mean that you have to swim in these waters and see if you can get something done. I'm not going to blame Brian Cashman if he signs a seven-year, $200 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, why didn't the Yankees match that? But what I am going to say is, if he signs, like, a three-year, $120 million deal with the Phillies, I'm going to say, hey, you had an opportunity to sign a guy that wasn't going to be a long-term commitment. You know what I mean? Um, and you didn't do it, right? Like, that that I would feel a little weird about. But... With that being said, we'd love to know what you guys think in the comment section below. Obviously, this is a, you know, developing situation. We'll have to wait and see. You know, I guess over the next coming days, we'll, we'll get a better understanding of what his market's shaping out to be, what the Yankees' level of interest is shaping out to be, and all that stuff. But 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys can check out our, t- our TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and of course, this YouTube page. Aiden and Sam are doing great work on our socials, so you guys can check that stuff out. Absolutely great content. Um, and you guys can check out Empire Sports Media for our written content for all of your favorite New York sports teams. Uh, I'm Ryan from Fireshot Yankees. You guys can check out my Twitter account above our head. Aiden's Twitter is, Twitter's account is above his head. Um, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out.